Sir, because I believe through prayer, and I'm not, I'm not trying to prop something up. I'm not trying to throw something out there that would just be this thing. But what I truly, truly believe is that for 2019, the word that God has given me is encounter. How many know that we need an encounter with God? You know, forget the New Year's resolutions. The question I want to throw out to you today is, what do you want to be known for in 2019? Do you want to be known as someone that went all out to be happy? Or do you want to be known as someone who went all out pursuing a God encounter? See, there's a difference between the two. You know, does your resolution that you have for this new year, does it look like more like a Christmas toy list or an inspired petition towards heaven? Because that resolution that's at the top of your list, that thing that you want to do different for 2019 actually says a whole lot about you. And I believe that many people that call themselves followers of Christ really do so honestly. I believe there are many of us that are here that are thankful for their salvation. I'm not belittling that at all. But I also believe there are many that don't necessarily live their lives with a sense of connection to God. We may say, well, I, I prayed the prayer. I believe that I'm saved, and that's great, and that's what we want. I mean, that's step one. That's not the finish line. But we should, how many know that we should be thankful for that, but we also should be, have a sense that I want to have a connection with God. See, we can study, we can train, we can discuss all the things that we should do as a true follower. But there has to be more to it than walking through this life by willpower alone. At some point, your question that you should ask yourself is this, how can I get past this thing being just a discipline to the point of it being a passionate pursuit? Because we know I was, Shelby, my daughter-in-law, was talking last night about how that she had made a resolution that she was going to get into the gym and do some things for this year. And that's a great resolution. But she also made the comment how that a lot of her friends told her, now be, be warned, the gyms are going to be very full this time of year with all these people that have made a determination they're going to get their bodies back in order and it's going to be crowded and you're going to face that. But if you wait a couple of weeks, that'll begin to die off. So we have great ambitions, we have great ideas, but if we try to make it by willpower alone, eventually that will fail us. I believe that every person truly needs to encounter God. There is a reason that that is our first statement on our vision statements. Because it all starts with the God encounter. So I looked up the definition of the word encounter. What do we mean when we throw that out there? Well, it means to meet or engage. 
It means to come upon face to face or to experience, sometimes even with a sense of unexpectancy or unexpectedly. Yeah, we should seek and we should push for an encounter with God. But how many know that there are just those times that you show up and you think it's just going to be a normal, everyday Sunday? You think your prayer time, if you have one, if you don't have a prayer time, get one? You think it's just going to be this normal thing, but all of a sudden you get there and all of a sudden there is this encounter with God and you feel his presence and there's this unexpected presence and things happen in that moment. Last Sunday, for those of you that were here, we had Dr. Doyle Jones that were here tonight. And as I was transitioning the service, I made this statement that I want to challenge us for this new year as we're talking about encounters, we're talking about these things. I want to challenge us to raise our level of expectancy. Because, you know, what do we do? We, we, we get up, and I'm not, I'm not trashing anybody, but we get ready and we, we begin to think through. Well, I'm going to go to church, and then after that, I hope they don't go too long because I want to do this, 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 and this. And we have it all planned out. Maybe on your this list is a nice long afternoon nap. I understand that. We have busy lives. But there should be something when we raise our level of expectancy. What if, as a church, we decide, you know what? I am going to church today because I'm going to have an encounter with God. I expect God to be there, and I expect things to happen. And we begin to pray that way. We begin to act that way. We begin to push ourselves that way. Not just for our church services, but in our own everyday lives. So that leads me to my text today, John 14, 22 through 23. It says this, Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching." My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Let that sink in for a moment. See, in our text, what do we see? We find Jesus is talking with his disciples. He's speaking with them, and he's talking about his relationship with the heavenly father. He's talking about how that his purpose was to provide a way back to the Father through real relationship, through a restored relationship. And he goes on to say that that because of that, when I go away, I am going away for a time, but when I do, I will send the counselor. I will send the comforter. My Father will send the comforter. My Father will send the advocate. See, the Holy Spirit has many names in Scripture. And so Jesus, what he was doing here was he was speaking to his closest followers and he was trying to raise the level of spiritual expectation. Because, let's let's face it, the disciples at this point, they had expectations, but they had expectations of an earthly kingdom. They had expectations that Jesus had come along to set the political climate right. 
We still have people today that are caught up in that deal that somehow Jesus is, is going to come and set this political climate right. We get the encounter climate right and the political climate will take care of itself. Even though the disciples were getting to know Jesus better personally and they had Jesus with them, it was very evident that they really didn't have a connection with the Father. They really didn't understand the purpose of it all. And so why is this important? Well, I believe that many times people can call themselves Christians today. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, I, I, I am one. But that name has been so misused that I really prefer to refer to myself as a Christ follower. There's a difference. And, and we may call ourselves that, yet if we're honest, many who say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, don't really have a connection with the Father. They don't feel a closeness to God. And it's evident because you hear questions like, where is God? How can I really know God? Or questions like, can you really hear his voice? Well, Jesus tells us that his sheep know his voice. So yes, we can really hear his voice. There is a closeness that is available. And I believe that all of this is made pretty clear by Judas' statement where he says, why do, you not show, why do you show yourself to us and not to the world? <clears throat> now, I want you to understand these disciples are not bad people, but they still had a little bit of that earthly kingdom in mind. And, and Jesus wanted them to shift their thinking a little bit. He wanted to shift their thinking from the earthly realm to the spiritual eternal kingdom. And that was a shift that they needed to make. And so today, the first message of this series that we're talking about, Encounter, I've given it the title, Make Your Home Here. Let's look at verse 23 again because this is the text that we're really going to work from today. If you get anything, write this verse down. Matter of fact, I've written it down for you, and I'm going to give you one in just a little bit. John 14, 23 says this, Jesus replied. Now remember, he's speaking in reply to the question that was asked. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. It was Monday morning. I was doing my private devotion this week. And I kind of taken the, to heart what Dr. Jones challenged us to do this last Sunday when he made this statement, pick one verse a week and memorize that through the course of the week. And at the end of the year, you will have 52 verses memorized. I thought, you know, I spend a lot of time in God's word, but I can't say that I identify a verse each week that I'm going to memorize. So I took it upon myself and said, you know what, I'm going to do that. And so I was going through my Bible study Monday morning and I was kind of praying myself as just as my normal reading. I said, Lord, kind of show me a passage of scripture 
that can be the one for this week for me to memorize. And this verse right here, when I read it, it just was as if it jumped off the page to me. It's, this verse, I'll be honest with this, you can ask him, this verse has consumed me this week. And as I thought about these things, I asked myself, what is it we truly want from God for 2019? And this question came to mind. Do we want God to make his home with us? Isn't that what he said? He said, if we would do those things, he said, we will come to him and we'll make our home with him. But the question is, do we really want that? So here's a thought I want you to write down. Is happiness more important than habitation? Is happiness more important than habitation? Because what do we do? We live in a world where people are all the time saying, you know what, I'm shifting this thing in my life. I'm blowing up my family. I'm making all these changes because I'm not happy. But is happiness more important than habitation? Do we love God or is earthly happiness the idol we place before him? Think about that. So the first point I want to get to, the first thing to me that jumped out of this verse was, was the statement that Jesus made. Basically, he said, true love equals obedience. I mean, Jesus is answering, Jesus is answering Judas's question with this, and the first thing out of his mouth is, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. See, to love, true love and obedience work hand in hand. And God truly, make no mistake, God longs to dwell with us. But we must love him enough in return to obey. But if we're honest, many of us, many of us have pet sins that we don't want to love him enough to obey. God, I'll give you this much. I'll obey to this point, but don't ask for this from me. Or maybe it's something that's not even a a sin per se, but it's something that has been an anchor that has been holding you back and the Holy Spirit has spoke to you about that. And he himself, while it may not be a sin that you can prove in scripture, the Holy Spirit has made it very clear to you that this is something you need to set aside for a season in your life But out of disobedience, you don't love him quite that much to obey. Think if you think about it, it wasn't until after Jesus was crucified and rose again and he ascended and was seated at the right hand of the Father and and God followed through and sent the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until all that happened, until the disciples encountered the resurrected Christ that they finally got it that they finally shifted from the idea of an earthly kingdom to the spiritual kingdom 
But yet here we are today, and we're on the right side of those events. We have all the scripture written down. We have these stories to go by. We have these things that we can look back on that's happened. We're on this, this side of all that. We are supposed to be those that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet, what do we see so many times? I'm convinced that far too many sermons are based on the your best life now principle. How to build your kingdom here messages. We want prosperous lives, and I'm not any different. Trust me, there are times I'm looking at my, well, I started to say checkbook, but that's kind of not the norm anymore, looking on the screen. And I'm praying, Lord, I could use a little more, a couple of more zeros behind that number there. And we all are there, right? And we need those things in life. But Jesus is trying to change the thinking of his disciples. And we really have to get back to that place where we understand that that there's a thinking that needs to shift in our lives too because too many times, just like the disciples, Jesus is trying to speak into our lives. Jesus wants to habitate our lives. He wants to make his home with us, but we're so focused on the here and the now and the your best life now process that we don't even see it. We're caught up pursuing happiness. Thing is, God longs to bless us. There is no doubt about it. And if you're following him and you're sold out to him, there is earthly blessings that is connected to that without a doubt. But that can't be our focus. Our focus has to be the eternal, not the temporary. So where does your true love lie? Because the truth is, most people want happiness more than holiness. Most people want salvation more than sanctification. In other words, we tend to focus on the temporary over the eternal. We love this world too much. We want our sins washed away and we want them forgotten, but we don't really want to be cleansed and purified. I can tell this is hitting home because you're quiet. (laughs) Our greatest prayer in 2019 should be, Lord, help us to truly fall in love with you anew. Lord, Let me love you enough to produce a consistent byproduct of obedience in my life. Help me to truly encounter your love. And Lord, then come and make your home here with us. There should be something in us that is longing for that. Matter of fact, If we don't want God to make his home with us, there's a problem. There's a problem. Which leads to the next verse, John 14, 24. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, 
They belong to the Father who sent me. See, make no mistake, there's consequences for a failure to love to the point of obedience. We love talking about his grace, and I thank God for his grace. His compassion is so evident, just the fact that he would send his son to lay down his life so that we could be saved, that's incredible. And we preach that, and we're good, and we embrace that idea. But I think we also forget that God is a God of justice. And just because we're living in a time of God's grace doesn't mean that there isn't a judgment to come. One of the dangers of any love relationship is taking the other person for granted. You can become so comfortable that you fail to appreciate the value of the other person. Then we begin to take certain privileges for granted. And we do things knowing that it's going to hurt the other person, but we do it with the idea, oh, they'll get over it. Come on, there's not a husband in here that hasn't thought that at some point. Or a wife, for that matter. I'm going to do this anyway. I know they're not going to like it, but they'll get over it. And it's bad enough when we do that with people, but think how sad it is when we do that with Christ and his amazing grace. Yes, he'll forgive us. But should we, if we really love him, should we approach him and say, you know what, I'm going to do this anyway because I'm going to ask and he's going to forgive me and he'll get over it. Yeah. But we do this. We do this with his amazing grace. And the gift of salvation is that it's absolutely amazing. And we are saved through grace. And we are saved through faith. But that doesn't mean we should take it for granted. Because if we do, what are we doing? We're cheapening God's grace. We cheapen the work of Christ on the cross. God loves us and he wants good things for us. We're not to take his gifts for granted. We should never, ever, ever be okay with breaking his heart. God gives his best to us. We shouldn't cheapen it for our own purposes. We must never assume we can do as we please and remain in good standing. We're going to put this one up on the screen. Are we not cheapening his grace when we want to be saved from hell but not from our sin? I mean, let that sink in. We want to be saved from hell, but too many times we really don't want to be delivered from our sin. We want the Monopoly get-out-of-hell-free card. We should be praying. May we never 
take the gift of your salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. May I never be guilty of cheapening your grace. May our obedience come from a place of true appreciation of what was done for us. Why did Jesus, what did Jesus say would happen if we loved him that much? I'm going to read this part again. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. That ought to be the thing that we put up somewhere and we put it in big letters and we say, this is my goal. Which leads me to thought number two out of this. Make welcome. Do we want God to make his home with us enough to get our house in order? I don't know about you, but if you just pop in and pop by, we live in our house. Our house is lived in. It is not a show place. Everything is not in perfect order all the time. But for those of you that have been invited over for events, that usually is preceded by pretty much a full day of getting the house in order because we know guests are coming over. If we really want Christ to make his home with us, if we really want him to habitate our lives, there ought to be a little bit of cleaning for our special guests. We ought to make welcome. And I want you to notice in what we read, it says the word we and our. In other words, it's talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit making his home with us. Let's look at verse 25 and 26. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the advocate, the comforter, depending on your translation or where you're hearing this conversation take place in the Gospels, it says, then he says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father I will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. We need the Godhead, all of him, habitating our lives. We should live to make the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at home in our lives. We know that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. We know that he fulfilled the promise and that God the Father, after he was resurrected and went to, and sent to heaven, that he sent the Holy Spirit just like he said, that all those things happened. Yet there's still some questions that need to be answered. We're not without help, but the real thing that we need to answer, and I, what I really want to get to today, is do we really want God to move in? Because when he moves in, Things change. If you want your life to stay just like it's always been, then you really don't want him to move in. 
I know, I'm meddling today. But do we really want to encounter God? Do we want God to make his home with us or is happiness more important than habitation? Is happiness more important than habitation? My goal is to pray, and I've been praying, Lord, let us truly be a spirit-filled people. Holy Spirit, teach us. Holy Spirit, correct us. Remind us to follow your word. And then give us as a people, Holy Spirit encounters with you. Lord, make this place an encounter of your spirit. Lord, make this place an encounter of your spirit. Because yes, we all want happiness, but I would dare say this. What we really want is a home of peace, which is my third point. We may think our greatest desire is happiness, but in reality, our greatest desire is true peace. Verse 27, as we move to wrap this up. Jesus, in response to that question that Judas asked, says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I want his peace to reside in my life. Because happiness comes and goes. But peace can still be there even when it's not a happy day. We live in a world that's in desperate need of peace. Not the pursuit of escapism that we've substituted for peace. Everything we do is just to escape reality for a period of time. But the problems are still there. The junk is still there. The sin's still there. The lack of peace is still there. You're just unplugging it and escaping for a period. I don't want escapism. I want his peace to reside in my life. I want true God-given peace where I can sing songs like it is well with my soul and mean it. Only then can we live without fear. Only then can we have a joy-filled life. And joy and happiness are two different things. Lord, I want your peace, not the counterfeit peace that the world offers. Because apart from God, there is no peace. And the truth is, he loves us way too much to leave us alone. And we ought to be thankful for that. We should never say, God, leave me alone. Never. Most dangerous words you could speak. We should pray, Lord, give us your peace. 
Let our hearts be captured by the depth of your love. Help us see past the strife and the troubles of this world and the lure of counterfeit peace. Let us look past the idea of escapism and let us walk with a confidence of full trust and that his peace and his joy and all the while as we live this life, I want you to get this picture. The idea that God has moved into our lives ought to be our greatest desire. I was reminded, I was recently given something that was, how many know that there are people that, that you, that may come to you and say, God spoke to me? And you're like, okay, we'll see. Let's hear it. But then there are some people that just have a track record of hearing from God and speaking truth. I was recently handed something pretty private. Not that there's anything on there that I wouldn't share, but I don't feel like I should. But it was... There's a list of some things that God had spoken to an individual in the church here that I trust. It has a track record of hearing the Holy Spirit. And when it was handed to me, it actually was, I was told about and received it as an email. But when I opened the document and began to read through it, my jaw dropped. I was like, okay, this person's been sitting in my prayer closet. And one of the comments that it made, because there's things that I've been praying, very specific things I've been asking God for, mostly concerning the church and you guys. And the whole thing started off with a question that really kind of lines up with this. Are you sure? Basically, I'm hearing what you're praying, but are you sure? Oh, it's great. I'm paraphrasing here, but there's going to be a cost. It's going to be incredibly rewarding, but you're going to have to live outside your comfort zone. And I have to be honest. I took that and all the stuff that was there and really began to read through it and pray through it and and had to ask myself several times, am I sure? Because just like you, I like being comfortable. There are things I want God to do, but you know what? I have a great relationship with almost everybody here. It's comfortable. It's good. We like each other. Mostly, I think. (laughs) But if we're going to encounter God, if he's really going to move in, we have to answer that question. Are we sure? Because it's going 
to require some things that are going to be uncomfortable. It's going to require some steps of faith. So we need to ask ourselves, are we sure? Just so you know, after pondering and weighing everything that was on that for a while, I sit down with the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm sure. I can't say no to your presence. I can't say no to your kingdom advancing. I can't say no to you working in my life and changing me, even if it's uncomfortable. I can't. So, Lord, yes, I'm sure. Move. Do what you got to do. So that brings me as I wrap this up this morning before we get some music. There's some challenging questions I think we all have to consider. Do we want him to move into our lives? Do we really and truly want that? Do we want him to move into our church? Because if he does, things are going to have to change here too. And we kind of like things where we are, where they are. We like our seats where they are. But are we ready to love him to the point of encounter and the, to the point of encountering God? Are we? Are you sure? That's the question we've got to answer.